Well, good morning, Identity Church. Y'all let me know when we've got the, we got live stream going. Awesome. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. I know that, you know, the Lord's been putting on my heart this week more than ever about life. And, and I, I just, I've been, I've been having a, a, a moment and actually we were talking about this man, Heather, you know, we went to a minister's conference thing Friday night and uh, Mark Manchin does Life of Faith Church. He made a comment about how he felt like that he was constantly in transition. And he said, the Lord told him, and he said, that's just life. He said, don't be looking for the, the goal line because there's going to be something else that's going to come along. And you know, this past week, <clears throat> there's been a lot of goal line moments. Every time you hit another mark, it just seems like there's another thing out in front of you. Well, guess what? That's just life. And I'm having to get used to life changing faster. And I think that's the thing. I think we're speeding up towards the end, right? I think that I think Jesus is coming back, and I, I know he's going to come back soon. But, you know, as he's coming back, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. And we need to know how to live life. And so I'm going to do a series on life. I did it last year, but I'm going to change some stuff up. The Holy Spirit keeps telling me we need to learn how to live life. I mean, he didn't just come to go, well, you know what? In the great by and by, everything's going to work out. You know that we need to have life now. He said that he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Well, if he did that, that means there's stuff for us to do here. It means we're going to have a good time. About two weeks, we're going to go on vacation. Praise the Lord, I need a vacation. <laughs> do you know that there are times where we need to say, you know what, am I living life or am I letting life live me? You know, there's times where I feel like I'm being pushed and I don't know what's happening. You know, when, when that happens, you don't feel like you're agreeing with life. How many people knows it's hard to agree with life when it's moving so fast that you don't get to actually comprehend it, right? But this is the thing, is that God's trying to say he's got life in the midst of all the pushing and shoving and, and there's just stuff happening. He wants you to know some things about who you are. He wants... He wants you to know that where you're going is going to be a good place. See, I think that's the, the problem is, you know, I, I read an article a while back in a science magazine that said that it takes up to 13 milliseconds before your brain actually catches up with, with what's happening around you. So if you're driving, everybody's 13 milliseconds behind. I mean, just think about that. I mean, that's as close to near real time as we can handle. Well, you know what? With so many inputs, so many things that are happening at us, we're having to take in 13 milliseconds, 13 milliseconds, 13. Eventually, it starts turning into seconds and minutes and everything else. You know that we need to understand that God has a plan for our life. He knows some things about us, and he's got good things for us. Well, what if a circumstance pops up? Okay, what if it does? You know, I said in the at the end of the praise and worship time, you know, Psalms 91, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're walking through this valley, you know, I got two sets of chairs and I walk through it. 
Well, there's shadows being cast into the floor right now because of all these lights. Well, am I going to run into the chair if I run into the shadow? No, I'm running into a shadow. It means I'm not having to dodge the shadows. Death is out there. There's things trying to harm us. Well, guess what? We just keep walking through them. We keep believing. How many people said, I'm willing to walk? Say, I'm willing to walk. walk. Just keep walking. So the Lord's trying to tell us through this message, and there's going to be a series of these, but through this message that He loves you, and He's got good plans for you, and He wants you to do some things in life. And sometimes things don't look real good. In fact, just for y'all to know, if you got your Bibles and you want to follow along with your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 pretty much the whole day. But see, Romans chapter 8 is talking to who? Romans. They weren't Jews. In fact, they were actually having the Roman church at the time, they had all these people who were Jews that were coming in and they were telling them to do all kinds of stuff. They would be like, hey, you, you can, hey, that's great. Believe in Jesus, but you need to be circumcised and you need to follow the law and you need to do all these things. And then Paul and Peter and all the other you know, apostles, they come along and go, no, don't allow people to tell you what, what your liberty is. You live your liberty. You let the Holy Spirit be your God, not a bunch of people that says, I'll give you the manual and you follow step one through whatever. And see, this was the problem. This was the problem in the Roman church and all the Gentile churches is they didn't have to just worry about the Jews. They had to worry about all the other pagan God worshipers. I mean, there were literally times where they would go into a city, people would get saved, they would start to live their life, and people would come and say, well, you've got to go and worship with us at the temple whatever. And they would go, well, I no longer do that because I follow Jesus. I've been set free. And you know what? They go, nope, we're going to kill you. How about that? I mean... You know, in America, we, we think we're being persecuted if somebody comes by and goes, oh, you worship that little genie in the sky. You know, I've, I've seen all these people and I've had all these people talk to me. There was a guy back years ago. He used to go, oh, he goes, go pray to your little genie in the sky. You know, the thing is, is that it used to bother me. I mean, it used to, I used to go home and I would pray, God, why do they talk to me this way? You know, I started realizing, I need to grow up. Who cares what they believe? You know, I don't want anybody to die and go to hell. Neither neither does God. He sent Jesus. But do you know that my life is not lived based upon what other people think about me or think about my beliefs? I mean, I think it's real. I mean, you know, nowadays I've, I've actually started fighting back. It's a lot more fun when you can fight back, right? And I go, yep, I, I know the genie in the sky. You know, it's just like the, the Big Bang. It was like, you know, we came from nothing, right? And I was like, you know, all these people say that, that it was a special kind of nothing. In fact, it, there's books written on the nothing that was before that made something. And I go, that's a whole lot of talking about nothing, 
Do you know that when we actually understand that we have the answer, they can come back and go, oh, well, you know, we, we believe in evolution. We believe in the Big Bang. We believe in whatever. You can believe whatever you want to. But your little genie that was out there in the, you know, out there in the middle of the universe that exploded and created all this, I don't believe in it. Now, if you say, God said, let there be light, then I'm gonna, I'll follow that line of thinking because there was a creator rather than nothing creating something. Well, you know, this is the problem that we have is that I don't, I don't get offended by things that are that make no difference to me. I already have my belief system. I already have my belief system. You know, don't let people, just because, just because they ganged up on you and they were all like, yeah, you're stupid. Don't let them change your mind. Don't let them make you feel bad. You just go, there was nothing I could do to fight back against that. And I'm talking to some people today because you're living in a world where they're trying to change your life. They're trying to change your life. They want you to believe stuff that is, that's not even true. You got to go play fairy tales nowadays. Oh, well, men can be women and women can be men. Oh, yeah, great. You know, I want to be a transformer. Can I be Optimus Prime? I mean, can I? I mean, you know, I want to walk around and go, I'm Optimus Prime and, you know, Autobots unite. I mean, whatever it is, they've got all kinds of beliefs that are out there. There's people who believe they're cats and there's people who believe they're dogs. There's people who are marrying their cars. <laughs> Think about getting that tax break, right? I, I might have... I might have thought about it after we were, after, you know, I bought this car that I just had. It's like, maybe I could get, if me and Heather split and I, I marry the car, maybe I don't have to pay as much in taxes. I don't know. But anyway, that's the only thing that I'm, I'm sitting here going, it's crazy talk. And the world wants you to play their game. The world wants you to play their game. And if you play their game, then what's going to happen is, is that you just become just like all the other idiots that are out there. See, we need to understand that life is made to be lived. And that we don't live a life of stupidity. We live a life of truth and love. And love conquers all. So Romans chapter 8, verse 22. We're going to start in 22. We're going to go through about 39 here. I'm going to kind of move through this because I want you to understand some of the background about what we're talking about when it comes to the love of God for you. Because if you were in the Romans situation where there was churches in Rome and they were having issues, you would be wanting to know, man, God doesn't look like he's loving me because there's all these attacks that are coming. Well, guess what? Paul is coming back to give them some understanding about who God is and what he is, what his life ambition is for them. God's wanting to show you through this as well. Romans 8, 22, and it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs un together until now. That basically means that everybody 
I'm talking about the world. Go out and look at the news. They're just groaning in pain. They, they, have, they have issues with everything and they're trying to find the way to fix the world's woes through one or two little things. You know, you go find somebody and they get into the middle of the LGBTQ community and they're like, well, we would just be a better planet if people just accepted LGBTQ stuff. Or how about this? We would be a much better planet if we just all went green. Everybody turn off all the lights. We just go and live in a grass hut. Okay. But that doesn't fix everybody's problem. See, the world would still have issues and people would still be upset about something. In fact, it says here in verse 23, it says, Not only that, that but we also uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. I want you to understand, this is, this is first world problems, right? I mean, how many people know that everything that we have a problem with in our life, we see it as a problem with this. It's what we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. Every time we go out into the world, it's, oh, it's too hot today. It's too cold today. There's people that are in my way. Um, I'm having to deal with traffic. I'm having to deal with uh, weirdos at the store. I'm having to deal with people at my job. You know, it's all the, the first world problems. It's the re, our, our perceived reality that is going on. And see, this is one of the things that, that God is trying to show us through this is the fact that we ourselves see the same things a lot of times. A lot of times we don't go back to the Spirit of God we actually look at our, our circumstances. What's happening? What's going on in our lives today? You know, I think about that a lot. And I have to go, no. The Spirit of God's telling me that He has a plan for my life and that we're going to move forward. Do you know that if you were to spend more time looking at the Spirit rather than what you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, then you start seeing the world differently. You know, you turn on the news and in five minutes, it can change your whole outlook on life. You know, I, I will tell you this. I, the first time I went through a DNI thing at work, I thought to myself, when can I retire? What, can I start a business? Can I get the heck out of here? You know, what's funny is that the Lord actually started dealing with my heart because I got so caught up in the, the mess because everybody had a problem. I mean, hey, I got news for you. They were wanting me to like, you know, they were like, well, hey, you're fat. Why don't you go get a fat group together and be like, you know, you're being discriminated because you're fat. Well, wait a minute. There would be more discriminated against people if we just, I mean, I'm serious, guys. Go out there and look. There are more people that are trying their best to find a to find a reason to be upset. Maybe I should be upset because I'm fat. I don't know. I, I do need to go on a diet because we've been partying too good for birthdays. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm going to move on. I digress. But verse 24, it says, For we were saved in this hope, 
But hope that is seen is not hope. You know, a lot of people go, well, you know, faith that is not that is seen. But you know that hope is the same way. You know that I have hope towards things that haven't happened yet. My faith actually makes me trust in it. But my hope is, is you know what, I haven't quite got, I haven't quite gotten there. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That word greatest, and we're going to talk more about that next week, but the word greatest actually means that it's the first, it's the eldest. It means that without love, you can't have hope, and without hope, you definitely aren't going to have faith. Faith is, is an enigma to you if you can't get into the hope side of things. And you may go, well, what kind of hope do I have? Well, you may not have any. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know your situation. But you know what? You definitely won't have hope if you can't find love. And that's what we're going to find out here in just a second. And it says, but in verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. And, and with perseverance... 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. I want to, this is a plug for baptism of the Holy Spirit. I truly believe it. I believe in it. I've been doing it for the last 27 years of my life. It, it's true. It's real. If anybody wants to know about it, I will. I will teach you on it. I will go through it. But if you don't know that the Spirit of God is there making intercession for you. And you may be going, well, Jesus makes intercession for me. No, Jesus, he went and sat down. Jesus did everything he was going to do. He gave us the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what John, most of the, the last parts of the book of John was like, hey, there's a, there's a comforter coming. There's somebody that is coming that is going to do greater things for you because I'm just one guy. I, I came to earth as a, as a person. I can only help the people that are around me. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere. In fact, it says here in verse 27, it says, Now... He who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That means if you allow the Spirit of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is awesome because you're praying in the Spirit. There, you don't even know what you're praying. It's all about the will of God. In fact, it says here in verse 28, it says, We know all things work together to the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Uh-oh, we have to know what his purpose is. How many people has got a purpose from God? Everybody? I hope I get some more hands. Okay, we got some purposes in here, all right? We're going to find out what the purpose is. In verse 29, it says, For whom he knew, he also predestined. Well, this is predestination. Some of y'all are going to heaven, some of you aren't, right? No! He's telling us what predestination actually looks like. Predestination is this word porzio, and it means to decide beforehand. It means that he decided a long time ago that he was going to send Jesus. This had nothing to do with your salvation. Predestination has nothing to do with your salvation. 
If somebody's coming along going, we don't need to witness to people because some people are going to go to heaven, some people aren't. Well, then they're liars. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it. It's dumb. It is a dumb doctrine. What happens with predestination is God actually told after Adam and Eve fell, Adam and Eve fell, and what did he do? He listened to them bicker for a little bit. Well, you gave me this woman. Oh, he told me this. And, he t- and then all of a sudden, God goes, okay, you know, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head. See, he predestined, he decided at that moment, I'm going to give Jesus for their sins. So if anybody goes, well, you know, it's not up to you. Well, yeah, it is. He wouldn't have given us Romans 10, 9, and 10. We would have had to believed. And it says, He also decided beforehand to be conformed to the image of His Son. That means that right after Adam and Eve fell, God said, Hey, I want everybody to be conformed to my Son, so I've got to do something about that. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. John three sixteen through eighteen. I'm going to read this right quick. Where'd my Bible go? John three sixteen through eighteen. And it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life." Now, everlasting life means well. What if I didn't have a good life before? How many people has had a bad life before you got saved? Right. Hey, there's, there's people. Do you know that, that everlasting life means that I can go and even fix those things that happened before Jesus. I can make them right. See, everlasting life is not just, well, in the great by and by. Because if that was the case, he would have said the great by and by. He would have said, I come to give you heaven. Or I come to give you an afterlife. But it said everlasting which means that it was from the beginning to the end. Well, you know what? If you got saved today and you live, I'm 46 years old as of last Wednesday. Do you know that in 46 years, what if I'd had a really bad life? I got saved today. Well, then everlasting life, if it was just from today on, well, then that wouldn't mean everlasting. Everlasting means that it was before And all the way through eternity. See, God gave Jesus in order for us to have everlasting life. It means that He's going to give us something beyond what we had before. You know what? There's a lot of things I'm claiming from my past that I go, Hey, I've got life in those areas. Man, I didn't get any amens or anything on those. Amen. Amen. Do you know that there's areas in your life that happened long time ago that you can have healing and you can have prosperity, that everlasting life can be the things that change how you see your past. There's things from my past I don't even remember anymore. I don't bring them up. You know, there's a lot of people I know that they bring up their past more than they ever bring up their future. Goodness, I'm going to have to move on because I'm starting to meddle. Verse 17. These are, these are important scriptures after verse 16, by the way. I just wanted to let y'all know I, we need to put some 
thought into verse 17, verse 18. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus did not come to condemn anybody. Jesus came to save everybody that believes. And we're going to find out. Verse 18 says, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. See, a lot of times people will go, Oh, well, you know, God is, you know, we're in a limbo state. We're sort of like in this, uh, no, 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 you were condemned. You, you were You were already condemned. God had to put something in place in order to get you to the next place. See, you were already there and then you accepted Jesus. And it says here, it says, um, you were condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You know what? I I could keep reading because it's really good, but I want you to understand something. God sent Jesus as as the sacrifice so that we no longer needed more sacrifice because they were condemned. It, it It was never good enough. It was only to show the people of the Jewish people, people in Israel, that they could not keep their sins going. You know what the Pharisees did? The Pharisees go, well... You know, I'm a hypocrite, so all I do is I just go, yep, I'm, I'm meeting the law. Nobody could meet the law. Couldn't happen. Every single day, you'd break the law in some way. How many people broke the law coming over here, drove too fast? If you go one mile an hour over the speed limit, you broke the law. I know everybody in here broke the law at <laughs> some point today. Don't point at me. But see, this is the thing, is that is that breaking the law is easy. You can be driving down the road and all of a sudden it's like, you know, when I first got the Telluride, I was driving down the road and it was like, I'm doing 80. How did I get to 80? You can't feel it. You know, this is the thing that we need to understand is that there was no grace from the law. And see, Jesus came to, to do away with our need to worry about a law. In fact, verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he, he predestined, it means the people that he knew beforehand or that he had decided that he was going to send Jesus for, these he also called, whom he called he also justified, and whom he justified he also glorified. Verse 31, and it says, what then shall we say to, the, uh, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how, how shall he not be with him also freely giving us all things? This is really, this is the most simplest, this is the most simplest scripture that, that has ever been written. And I'll tell you why. Because God decided a long time ago, back at Adam, that he was going to give Jesus. And if God was for all people, then who's going to be against us? 
You know, there's, there's people today that they go, man, my life has been horrible. There's no way I'm ever going to get better. There's not going to be anything I can do about this. And do you know that there's, there's, uh, there's truth in that? If you say it's not going to get any better, it ain't. If you don't put the word into you, it ain't. I'm not going to sit here and say that God forces us to do it because we have free will. I mean, you got free will to do anything. How many people is going to eat lunch today? How many? What if I told you you had to eat Chinese food today? Charlie would probably balk at me. He'd be like, I'm not going to eat Chinese. Oh, he likes Chinese. But, but my point is, my point is, is that if Charlie said, hey, I don't like Chinese food, which I'm picking on Charlie, but if Charlie said, hey, I don't like Chinese food, and I said, Charlie, I'm forcing you to go Chinese. Well, Charlie's not going to like me too much, right? In fact, Charlie's probably going to have words to say about me. Do you know that, that this is the same thing with us? Is that a lot of times people think that, well, God, you're forcing me to live this life the way it is. That I'm just a puppet on the strings. But you know that God gave us free will. And most of the time we decided where we were going to go eat. Most of the time we decided where we were going to go live. Most of the time we decided where we were going to work. Sometimes we decided and sometimes we settled. You want to talk about meddling? I can meddle. You know, sometimes we just decided we were going to settle for what we got. We just decided, you know what? It's going to be too hard to follow God and, and to believe God for, for what He's wanting to do. But see, I want you to understand that God has a plan for your life that just like in you know, everybody loves Jeremiah 29, 11, but Jeremiah 29, 1 through 10 was where it was at. He was telling them about the plan and then he said, I got a plan. He went and told them, hey, you've been carried away to Babylon, but I want you to go build houses. I want you to get married. I want you to have kids and grandkids and I want you to do good. Well, you know what? They were in the middle of Babylon. It was a completely different country, different cities, different social statuses, everything. Do you know that when that happened, do you know God still said, hey, I'm going to prosper you here if you decide and believe and go do. See, we can be in the midst of Babylon and we can live like we're in Jerusalem. The blessed place, the, the land that flows with milk and honey. Do you know that you can actually bring Milk and honey to wherever you live. I bring it in all the time. We go to the store. I bring it home. We cook with it. We, we made pound cake. It was out there. Y'all enjoy some. But see, I want you to understand something. There is a point in time where we all have to go, you know what? I'm sitting in the middle of Alabaster, Alabama, or I'm in Chelsea, or I'm in wherever you live at. And guess what? You're going to be the milk and honey for your area. See, God did not say, well, I'm going to go take you to a place. He goes, I'm going to go take you to a different mindset. I'm going to bless you where you're at. I'm going to show you where to go. In fact, it says here, verse 33, it says, Who shall bring charge against God's elect? Who? You know what? I, I, I dare you. If somebody starts talking about God or, or they're like making fun of you, just Look at them and go, who the heck are you? 
why does your opinion matter? Your opinion really doesn't matter. In fact, you have the least of the opinions in my mind than anybody else. You know, if you started living your life like that, when somebody says, well, I think you're ugly. I think you're, you know, you, you serve a, a God that is a lie. And you go, who are you? What's your opinion? I mean, I don't care what your opinion is. You know, most of the time I, I find it to be funny You'll find these people that will be street preachers or whatever, and people go walking up to them and they want to fight with them. You know why? It's because they actually care about what people's opinions are. I'm telling you, go find somebody that's in the LGBTQ plus community, and you just say, well, I don't agree with that. And they just don't go, oh, okay. Most of them are going to go, but I need you to believe. I need you to validate me. You know why? Because they don't believe it either. See, this is the problem that we have in our society is that we all are looking for validation. You're looking for validation. And when somebody says, well, I don't agree with you. What you said was stupid. I don't like you. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Sometimes you go, well, I need to talk to you about that. Well, no. No, you don't. I don't need to talk to you about it. I just need to go, okay, you believe that, I believe the truth. That's fine. Because if I believe you, like Andrew Womack says, we'll both be wrong. If I believe what you believe, we'll both be wrong. In fact, verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall it be tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? These people were actually dealing with this. So Roman people that had gotten saved, they're dealing with a lot of stuff. Lots of stuff. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that that Paul is telling them here, look, This life in Christ that you have, it goes beyond all of that. I'll give you life in the midst of all of those things. And you know what happened? They got life. You know, the Roman church was actually one of the reasons why the Pope and all the different things that that you saw with the Catholic church happened. It's because there was more Roman people that started believing it And even after the persecutions, even after Nero and everybody, and Nero kills Paul, do you know that there was people everywhere? They were burning them like candles. They were taking Christians and they would put them up on sticks and they would cover them in wax and they would light them on fire. That's what Nero did. And you know what? The church grew and it grew and it grew. It grew so much that within 250 years, Constantine actually became a Christian. He made it the only religion in the whole Roman world. And it was because they didn't see themselves as going down. They saw themselves as going up. God has a plan for me. There's things that are going on. In the midst of hell, I'm still believing that I have life. Well, you know what? We don't have hell going on at all around here. 
I don't care if they started protesting, they started marching in the streets, there started being anything, you're still not being persecuted like these people were. Not at all. Now, there are people in China and Iran and all that that are being killed. You know what's happening in Iran right now? They're having an influx of people that are becoming Christians. They'll go kill 100 of them, there'll be 10,000 people that will get saved. We're not seeing that in America. You know why? Because most of the time people are like, well, I just don't want to believe anything. You know, that whole, that whole if you don't stand for something, you'll, you'll fall for everything. That's what we're doing in America. That's what we're doing in the European states is that we're not standing for anything that is truthful, so we fall for everything. In fact, it says here, and this one right here, this, this scripture right here just used to throw me. I, I just didn't understand it. it. It like messed with my theology. But I started doing some, some studies because it, it actually is a very good scripture here. It says, um, well, I'm going to read it together. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall it be tribulation, distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But this verse comes out of Psalms 44 and 44.18 says, Our heart was not turned back, nor our steps departed from your ways. Talking about Israel. But you have severely broken us into uh, broken us in the places of the jackal, those people who are your enemies, and covered us with the shadow of death. Uh-oh, here's that shadow of death again. You know, basically, they were always thinking, oh, there's something coming for us. Their mind, their will, and their emotions were just so just distraught at all times. And it says here, in verse uh, it says verse twenty. It says, "If we had not gotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign god, would not God search this out? For He knows the secrets of our heart." Verse twenty two says, "Yet for your, your sake we shall be killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter." This is talking about the prophets that went out after all the people who were leaving God that was within Israel. They were going out to other gods and God was sending these prophets out before they went to Babylon. And he was telling them, hey, if you turn back to God, things are going to be fine. If you don't, then your covenant is going to kick in. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is going to happen. And everybody knows Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're either blessed in the city or you're cursed in the city. Or you're blessed in the field or you're cursed in the field because of what they did. Do you know that, that love, not knowing God's love, it separates us. What happened to Israel is, is they quit being in love and falling in love with God. And what happened was is they started following after other gods. The ones that tickled their ears. I mean, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot easier to go try to follow after a god that says, "Hey, um, you know, I, I think Aphrodite and all these other things." They were like, "Hey, we'll 
we'll let you have sex in the temples and we'll let you go drink and go, you know, gorge on food and we'll let you go do all this crazy stuff. Do you know that all of that was a, was just a shield. It was a shadow because once you got into the middle of the religion, they would say, well, you just need to take your firstborn and throw it on the fire. You know, eventually Israel got to the point to where they were not only just living a pagan life, they were actually acting out and sacrificing to pagan gods. See, pagan gods don't care anything about a, a bull or a goat. They wanted your kids. I'm just a little bit curious. Is that happening nowadays? The spirit of Moloch is happening in the earth. And see, the number one thing that we do is we go and we take our kids and if we put them in a school system or we take them to the library or we take them to any of these places. In Alabama, thank God I've not found that. When we moved Caleb to Thompson from the the Christian school, I thought to myself, man, we're going to have to really watch this. And Caleb and us talked about it. And really, there's a lot of Christians that work in this school system. Thank God. But if you go up north, you go out west, you will find that the teachers are trying to sacrifice our children. See, the spirit of this is still happening. It's just happening differently. Do you know that by the time 2050 comes around, most of the Asian countries are going to lose almost half of their people? Because they've decided they didn't want to have kids. Oh, the the number one thing that the green movement wants to say is, well, well, there's too many people on the planet as there is. No, there's not. We we need to have more kids because there's going to be a point to where there's not going to be enough people to help keep the systems going. Do you know that this is the this is the problem? Is that when we start listening to Satan, Satan will tell you, oh yeah. You're going down. You need to have less. You need to take your children and they need to agree with things that are untrue. You need to go with your your children and, and you need to sacrifice your life for it. How many people go, hey, and I'm not against if you buy an electric vehicle. We were talking about them today, Matt and I and all of them, we were talking about electric vehicles. I work for the power company. Go buy an electric vehicle and go plug it into Alabama Power. But this is the thing. Don't let somebody scare you into it. Because I got news for you. I, I mean, for what Heather drives, I might go, hey, electric vehicle would be perfect for what Heather does. But I'm not going to do it because I believe it's going to help the planet in one iota. It's not. Right now, China and India are polluting so bad that if they don't, it really doesn't matter. We could reduce ourselves to nothing. We could walk around and say we're not going to produce another thing that takes electricity, that burns an ounce of oil, anything. And you know what's going to happen? They will continue to produce 20% year over year more than every other place on the planet. 20%! There's nothing we can do to reduce that. In fact, they're going to get worse.
because they're building more coal plants and they're building more. And you know what? God help them. I don't really, I mean, I don't think that coal is causing one out of anything. You know, carbon, well, I don't know if I need to go into the science guy part of it, but carbon's something that's down here. It's not up here. You know, we were carbon capturing for the, for the power companies, and they were pumping it in the ground, trying to get it to, like, frack and that kind of stuff. Do you know that, that none of that mattered? We have scrubbers on all, of the, on all the coal plants. None of that matters. Do you know that when, when everything is said and done, if you perceive that there's a problem, there's somebody that's going to do it ten times worse that we don't have any control over. This is the problem, is that, you know, when we start thinking about what love looks like, love is not, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm trying to make Vicky's life better. So I'm going to regulate the crap out of Vicky. I'm going to, I'm going to go against her will. See, that's why God doesn't do it and we shouldn't either. But Satan does. Anytime somebody comes along and says, I want to regulate something, go and search it out. I'm just telling you, you'll start seeing the patterns of the Antichrist. God searches out and recovers those who are separated. He's trying to send people out to go find those people who are lost, that get away from the, that leave the 99 to go find the one. Do you know that this whole, you know, we are killed all day long. It's because though there are people in the earth that God's talking to and saying, go to these places, go to where you might be killed. Go to the Irans and the, and the, the, the Ghanas and, the, and out into China and places like that because they are called and they, they have a purpose. And they're going out and they are helping to fuel this Millions and millions of people that are being that are being brought to Christ every single day. Do you know that this is the thing I want you to understand? Is God may call you and, and you go, Lord, I got to stand up for my kids, and that might cost me my life. It might cost me my job. I, I've I've already I've already dedicated in my heart, Lord. It may cost me my job. It may cost me my house. It may cost me everything. But you know what? I'm going to stand up for truth. I don't want it to happen. I, I don't want it to happen. Do you hear me? I don't want it to happen. And I don't want it to happen for you. But I've put it in my heart that I am going to stand up for what truth is. And if that means that I lose it all in order to do it, I'm going to keep these people that I love. All of you. I'll stand up for truth. And if it kills me, that's fine. But I want you to understand that you have to make those decisions for yourself. Whether or not God is calling you to love and to do love with other people in a way that may not be the way you've thought about it before. Am I telling you to go out and get killed for people? No. What I'm telling you is, is that you have a place and God's trying to fill you with love so that hope and faith becomes something that you can go and put into other people. 
Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors means to gain a... Sub, um, what? A surpassing victory. This dude right here was more than a conqueror. He had one ant bed. He blew his whole backyard up. I'm showing those ants. Do you know that, that being more than a conqueror means that you are like, I am going to take on hell with a water pistol. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do the best thing that I can possibly do. This is something I think my dad would do, by the way. You know, I'm going to go pour a gallon of gasoline into the, and boom. I just like watching it, by the way. It, it's really kind of cool. It, it is a good way to farm. Those ants didn't have a chance, by the way. They were, they were gone before they knew it. Romans 8.38 says, For I am persuaded that neither life nor death or angels or principalities, which means governments and rulers, nor powers, those that have more power than you do, nor things present or nor things to come. You know, for the government piece of this, we have governments that are trying to change the way that we see things. The government's here to help you. No, they're not. The powerful. There are people out there like Bill Gates that are trying to buy up all the farmland so that you'll eat beyond meat. How many people want to go away from beef and eat beyond meat? Anybody? No. In fact, that's a doctrine of devils to, to basically say that you have to eat plant-based you know that all of these things are are a semblance of the way the devil wants us to be the things to come or that are out of our control think about this little thing right here a little dog looking thing this was actually what amazon wanted to deliver your packages with Do you know that this is one of those things that that in the future people are going to try to Put things on us. Microchips. We're going to have to say no. It may cost us our job. It may cost us our life. But if enough of us say no and say, I'm going to follow God no matter if it kills me, then guess what? There'll be other people who'll say, you know what? I believe the same way. And we have to be the ones that stand up. The love of God is out there to show you to love people. To have hope. That if I do this, you know our founding fathers, they used the word hope in most of the documents that they wrote. You know why they were saying use hope? It's because they wanted to see an outcome that they knew they weren't going to live to see. In fact, most of them died. They lost everything. Most of them were multimillionaires. If they had stayed with England, they would have they would have remained. It would have been multimillionaires everywhere. Most of us would have been slaves. But I mean, but there would have been they would have decided, hey, this is the way that, you know, I could have stayed with England, I could have been a millionaire. But do you know that they decided, nope, the right thing to do was to stand up against tyranny. You know why that is? Because every single one of them believed in God. Every single one of them read these scriptures and said, 
I am not going to let governments and people who are more powerful than me and the things that are to come are going to change the way that the world is. So I'm going to back up a couple verses here to verse 37 so I can read it in one big thing. And I'm, I'm pretty much done. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. In verse, in verse 37 of Romans chapter 8 it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am persuaded that neither death or life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height or, nor depth, nor anything created, whatever, whatever has been created that is trying to keep you from God. You know, there's going to be things that are going to be created to try to keep us from God. You know, there, the, I would say that most of our, most of our media I mean, there's some good media, but the most of our media is, is out there saying there is no God, there is no help, there is no hope. The world, there's, there's no hope for the world, there's no hope for the people that are around you. You know, if you get a, a fatalist type of mentality, if you say there's no hope for the world, then you will quit trying. You'll just take whatever you can take. In fact, it says here in verse 39, nor height nor depth. Or anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You are more than your circumstances. You know you're more than your circumstances because the things that you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, they're not what reality is going to be. What if today you had to pay a bill? You know what? There's going to be a bill tomorrow. And if all your life was about you paying your bills, then you would have a very short life. Because eventually you'd probably kill yourself trying to pay your bills. See, our circumstances, those are the things that God has, that God's trying to get us to see beyond. There's hope beyond our circumstances. You are more than your purpose. Do you know that your purpose in this life is a lot of different things? I love Jeremiah 29 because it tells us that your purpose is to get married. Your purpose is to have kids, to have families, to, to, to do good things, build houses. You know that if you're a part of a community and you're putting into a community and you do good things, that you're going to be, you're going to be able to speak into people's lives. I speak into my family's lives all the time. You know what? This church right here, we have about 20 people in here, okay? Or in the whole building. I mean, I'm reaching people, but do you know that the best people that I've reached is Kaylee and Caleb and Heather? You know what? Eventually, I'm going to have grandkids. And what I'm trying to put into them, I want them to put into their kids. You know, that's what you're being called to do, is to put into your kids Put into your family, put into your nieces and nephews, put into the, the people that are around you. You know, if you do that, then you're fulfilling your call and your purpose. You are more than conquerors. That means that whenever something comes against you, you go, ah, I'm just going to keep moving. Nothing can come against me. I see myself stronger than the things that come against me. I'm able to take 
myself and put myself into a place mentally, physically, that I start believing the word over my circumstances. You are loved by God and you are loved by Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, the Lord told me to preach this today about the love of God because I think that the love of God is where we have to begin and where we have to stand in order to get to hope because hope is the thing that comes out of love. And so I'm just praying that this message gives you a semblance of the love of God for you, that you are more than conquerors, that you can, you can accomplish the things that God has put in your heart but that you also can stand against the things that are trying to come against you, that are trying to come against your family, that's trying to come against your world. You have power to be able to overcome. God is giving you the ability to be able to take things that are coming at you and he works them all together for the good of those who love him. You are powerful. You are more than conquerors and you are loved. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, dear Lord, that you have created in us those that are saved, the spirit of might, the spirit of power, that the Holy Spirit himself lives in us and he's interceding with us and he is going forth about us to to basically handle our world. to to give us the things that we need to be able to take over the world that we live in, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are opening up the eyes and the ears of all those that are around us that are listening to this message and that they know that they have power to change their world, that they know that, that you love them, Father, that they stay in constant vigilance of your love, Father, because constant vigilance of your love would send them into hope And if it sends them the hope, then they will have faith and trust that you have a plan for their life and that you are going to bring them to the point of of goodness, peace, and mercy in everything that they do. Father, I pray over them as they go out this week. I pray that you lead people across their path. Just tell about the goodness of God. And I thank you, dear Lord, you bring people across their path that that they can just be friends with and they can have relationships with, Father, and that can help them to be a part of a family and it just grows their world. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have any prayer requests, any needs, I will be down here at the front. I'll pray for you. Y'all have a great week. You are dismissed.